You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezrus Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing our series of shirim on the inner world of trauma. And again, holding in mind that trauma, for all of the reasons we discussed last week, is written in scare quotes to open up the field of trauma, to allow us to speak of trauma without speaking of the specifics of trauma, in which point we allow ourselves to open up the possibility that even those of us who have been meritorious enough or lucky enough to not experience a capital T trauma, we can still find our way throughout the terrain of trauma, as well as the growth that emerges there and afterwards. What I want to speak about tonight is a reflection on one of the essential ideas described in the writings of Panimiya Satora and Kabbalah and Hasidus and the writings of the Vilna Gon that pushes against the very natural assumption about trauma and allows us to uncover a therapeutically open thread of how to look at trauma through a different lens. Now, there is a certain perspective and a therapeutic process where insight is the ultimate curative device, that allowing somebody to view things differently alleviates some of the pain of what a person is going through. Now, never is insight meant to take away the actual experience of the struggle or the difficulty, but it's to allow us to see the difficulty in a different lens. It's very important when speaking about the difficulty that a person experiences in their lives by way of trauma, whatever the trauma might be, it's all too easy to attempt to look back on the event and the difficulty that the individual might be experiencing and to try and offer insight that attempts to negate the difficulty from the get-go as if to say, no, it was not a problem. In truth, it was a good thing in one way or another. And you have to shift your perspective from viewing that event, that experience, that feeling as a bad thing and learn how to see it as a good thing. Now, perhaps on a certain level, there are righteous individuals who have the capacity to see life through the lens of Gamzu Latova, where everything, even the opposite of good can be seen through a lens of goodness. But generally speaking, the perspective that Hasidus and Panimiya Satora offer is very different than trying to erase or repress or suppress the difficulty from the get-go. Rather, it acknowledges the difficulty. It takes a look at that which was broken and that which was difficult and that which is causing the struggle. And it says, acknowledge it, be mitmodeid with it, gaze at it, own it, recognize that it has taken place, work through it. But when a person can shift their perspective of those events or those experiences, we can begin to look at it differently. Looking at it differently does not negate the difficulty. It does not deny that the difficulty took place. It does not deny the natural human tendency to become stuck in the difficulty. 
But what it does is it allows us to look at the difficulty in a different lens. It's not ignoring the difficulty, it's accepting the difficulty, looking at it differently. And when we're able to look at it differently, then perhaps just maybe we're able to elevate the difficulty and bring it into the space of our spiritual experience. So the theory or the insight that we're going to try and share is not to pretend the traumas of our lives don't exist which will only lead a person to a certain element of repression. And we know what another Jew taught us, what Freud taught us is that the repress always returns. We're not quite sure how it's going to return. We're not quite sure the guise in which what we've hidden is going to reveal itself. But what we uncover is the ability to own the problem, to look at the problem, to remember the problem, but to look at the problem with different eyes, to now see that the struggle that comes as a result of that problem is also part of the religious work. It's not ignoring or negating the problem as if life was some seamless unity, but it's acknowledging the problem and allowing the problem to enter into the broad space of spiritual experience, wherein the problem itself becomes the spiritual work. So the traumatic theory that we're trying to offer is not to negate the reality of difficulty, but rather to give us a new perspective with which to view difficulty. One of the most beautiful teachings with regards to comfort is a teaching that I saw in the name of Rav Moshe Shapiro's that the word nechama, the word for comfort, or the word for being comforted, finds its first expression in Parshas Noach, towards, uh, at the end of Parshas Barashas, rather, as the harbinger to the mabul, to the destruction of the world. And the Pasuk says, Vayinachem Hashem. God regretted creating the world. God cre regretted creating the world, so to speak, and he was going to bring about the deluge, the, the flood, which was going to destroy the world. According to the Tzaddikim, according to the Vilnagon, according to Rav Tzaddok, in accordance with the omni-significance of the texts that we're studying, the first appearance of a word not only represents its entryway into the linguistic categories of our language, but it also represents the essential meaning of that word. So if a person wants to discern the essential etymology of that word, they also have to trace it back to its first appearance in Tanakh. And the place where it appears in Tanakh, first and foremost, is Vayinachem Hashem, that Hashem regretted. So what Rav Moshe Shapiro points out is that the word Nechama means changing the mind. The word Nechama means that God, so to speak, shifted the way that he was looking at something. And albeit that in the context of that Pasuk, it was a negative that God, so to speak, shifted his perspective of reality from a positive and hopeful one to a negative and destructive one. But the idea rings true for us as well as psychological beings, that Nechama is the willingness to change one's mind. That when I'm willing to look at the circumstances of my life differently, when I'm willing to break free of the old broken down ideas through which I choose to view the struggles of human experience, by dint of the shift in consciousness, by looking at it differently, by changing my mind with regards to how to look at the event or the difficulty of my life, that in and of itself is the Nechama. The Nechama, the comfort, is not erasing the event, but rather the Nechama is looking at the event or the reality of what it means to be human through a different perspective. Now, the issue that I would like to combat with the help of the Tzadikim, in particular, the Leshem Shweb as well as the Beis Yaakov of Radzin, 
but it's important to keep in mind, as we spoke about in our series on the intensity of being human, that when we speak of the Beis Yaakov of Radzin, even when we speak of the Meshiloach of Radzin, what we're also speaking about is the Said Yisharim of Gershon Henech, who was the architect of Radzin, and also the architect of the writings of the Meshiloach. But with the help of these two tzaddikim, as well as the help of Rabbi Nachman, we're going to learn how to look at trauma. Because the first instinct that we have is to look at trauma as a sudden disruption to something that was naturally flowing properly beforehand. Trauma, etymologically speaking from the Latin word, emerges from the sense of wound, a breakage in something that was originally whole. The skin splits open and it reveals the body that is underneath protected by the skin. And that initial wound, that cut, which separates between something that was originally singular and now has emerged as something that is split in the middle, revealing a duality of sides, is the birthplace of trauma. Meaning to say that trauma is a sudden emergence of a disruption in an individual's life that breaks open the status quo of what was expected and reveals the abysmal depths of the unexpected underneath what was expected. My life was going from A to B to C to D to E to F in sequential order, a world of there where everything operated in accordance with my expectations. And suddenly a disruption emerges, a wound emerges that cuts through that progression of my life and reveals the abysmal depths that exist underneath. So we tend to see trauma as an event that comes to disrupt the status quo that surprises me, that emerges suddenly upon the scene, breaking open that which appeared to be solid and revealing to me the true depths of meaninglessness or randomness that exists underneath what I have come to expect as a given. So this sudden wound that appears, this sudden breaking apart of what I assumed was real is very often seen as the traumatic event. As a child, we learn to walk with our feet sturdily on the ground. And the Baal Shem Tov uses this as a religious and spiritual metaphor very often. And in the beginning, our legs are unsteady because we don't know if we can yet trust the ground. But as time goes on, human beings develop habits. We are habituated creatures. A habitat is the place where an individual lives. One of the most calming and supportive elements of a habitat is that I know where things are. I've come to expect that things are going to be in their rightful places. In one's home, I know where the forks are, I know where the knives are, I know where the towels are, I know where the sheets are. There's no surprises, everything is as is expected based on the fact that I have cultivated a habit of what to expect. I've done things, things once, twice, three times, four times, and eventually I no longer question where things are going to be or what the results of my actions are going to be. And as habituated creatures, we grow accustomed to the sturdiness of our experience. And a traumatic event is a sudden event that comes and tears that expectation asunder. It reveals that things are not what we expected them to be. And the trauma is when those things break apart, the abysmal depths of randomness are revealed. And after the trauma settles, we're left wondering what was more real. 
the sturdiness of the ground that I came to expect would be there day in and day out, or perhaps the revelation of the randomness of all things and the instability at the heart of all things is the true reality. And if a person can never get their mind around that separation or that breakage, then one will live their lives perpetually expecting something terrible to happen, something random to open up, the abysmal depths will open up and swallow things whole. This is the general perspective of trauma. It is a sudden breaking apart of that which was expected. And in the diagnostic concept of that, trauma is always sudden. Trauma is always something that comes and interrupts something that has already started and already gotten in to a smooth flow of things. And so we see trauma as an interruption. We see trauma as a sudden disruption where what we uh, thought was sturdy appears to be unsturdy. Comes along our tzaddikim, following the path of the Zohar, and in truth, following the commentators on the Chumash itself, and they reveal a little bit of how the world was created. There was a two-step process in which the world was created. The first step in which the world was created, we're told, was this original act of the contraction or the concealment of God an act of tzimtzum, an act of removal, an act of making a vacuum, an empty space. On a certain level, the creation of the world itself is traumatic because what existed prior to the creation of the world was the infinite light of God that subsumed all things, that made no room for anything other than God. And infinitude in its undiluted expression saturated all space comes along HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through the origination of that infinite desire that exists within the depths of the Godhead, so to speak, the Ratzon HaKadum. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mitzamsen himself, so to speak. He makes space. He makes a vacuum of sorts. So even the original act of creation is seen as a vacuum that emerges out of an original fullness, an emptiness that is given birth to by an original wholeness. And so this sudden departure from the wholeness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinite presence and the sudden thrownness into the empty space of the Halal HaPanui is the first instantiation of trauma. That the first expression of the possibility of existence, the first possibility of separation, is the sudden and instant removal of the infinite so as to make room for the finite. But be that as it may, that still is not enough to define trauma because there was no possibility of human consciousness. And furthermore, trauma, as we said, is something that suddenly disrupts the natural expected order of things. And prior to the creation of the world, there was no expected order of things. There was only the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then the entry point of reality. So because the entry point of reality did not necessarily disrupt any original thought that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had about creation, perhaps it's not going to be considered a trauma. This idea with regards to the Tzimtzum is based on a question that the Tzaddik and the Gon of Yosef Engel, Skusei Oganalenu points out, with regards to a particular question of whether creation itself is considered a miracle. And it's a machlokas amongst Rishonim that Rav Yosef Engel, Sklusio Ganalinu, comes to explain. The fact that something is a miracle implies that it breaks free of the natural order of things. It shatters the original expectation that one had with regards to the natural tendency of how things operate. 
And therefore, Kriyas Yamsuf is considered an ace because it is a sudden departure of how the sea typically operates. And with regards to the creation of the world, the creation of the world was not a sudden departure from anything because nothing existed prior to it. So even though it was a sudden breakthrough of reality and a birth of existence, which emerged in and of itself out of nothing that preceded it, ex nihilo yesh ayin, it's not necessarily considered a trauma because there was no assumed tendency or natural order of things prior to the creation of the world. So we're not going to utilize Simpson as the model of trauma, as we're going to see later on in some of our shirim where we talk about the ways of cultivating an awareness of trauma and dealing with trauma, we will utilize Simpson as a psychological model of learning how to move ourselves out of the way to make room for reality. But there was a second stage of creation, which is where we encounter the Torah's expression of its original trauma theory. And that was the shvira takelim, the shattering of the vessels. That as we spoke about slightly last week, the desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, to create reality, to create the world, was ultimately for the necessity of creating a space with an equal amount of light, which represents divine awareness and clarity of all things and certainty, as well as kalim or concealing containers that hold that light in its place, that minimize it for the sake of revealing it and making it palatable to the human mind. But the equivalence or the balance between expression and concealment is ultimately, I apologize, is ultimately a question of the creation of the world, the balance between the lights and the vessels, the balance between revelation and concealment. And when the Arizal is describing these original architectonics of how reality comes into play, we're suddenly thrown suddenly into this catastrophic event, the Shvira Takenim. In the original order of things, Hashem reveals too much light. The vessels, the potential vessels are incapable of receiving that light or containing that light. The containers, the kalim shatter apart. They break into a million little pieces. And the shards of those kalim, the broken fragments of those kalim, descend into the space where in existence eventually stands to take root. And it is that shattering of the vessels that gives birth to reality. In truth, reality itself is formed of those broken vessels. And so what we see in the Arizal is that prior to the conceptual reality of human existence, there was a profound catastrophe. There was a shattering, there was a trauma, there was something that broke, something that did not fit and something that shattered apart into a million little pieces, creating the fragments that create existence. And what we know from the tzaddikim, the Arizal, and especially the Leshem Shavachaloyma, who spent thousands of pages in Drushe Olam Hatohu on the discourses on the worlds of chaos, who teaches us that when it comes to understanding the shattering of the vessels, there's an essential distinction that needs to be made. The shattering of the vessels was not some accidental catastrophe that takes place and disrupts God's original desire for how to create the world. Rather, the Shvira Takelim is exactly how Hashem wanted to create the world. The trauma of the shattering of those vessels, 
which are ultimately the birthplace of the potentiality of all of existence and all of our inner discord that we have within ourselves, down to each and every one of our own most personal lives, with all of our lowercase t traumas and our capital T traumas, all of our struggles, all of our confusion, all of our forlornness, all of our terror, all of our excitement, expectation, anxiety, depression, happiness, gladness, all of that is contained within the original event of the Shvira, of that shattering, of that catastrophic breakdown, which revealed the fragmented nature of reality. And comes along the Leshem Shavachalim and all of the tzaddikim and say, don't for a second think that this was accidental. This was rather the birthplace of reality. That the trauma is not some accidental, sudden reversal of the natural order, but the trauma is what gives birth to reality. The trauma is what gives birth to the order. The trauma, that cataclysm, that catastrophe, that disorderly experience where there is a fragmented relationship and an incongruous relationship between content and container, between expectation and reality, between the ideal and the real, is the very thing that gives birth to experience. And why it is that way and, and how it is that way is something we're going to discuss throughout our classes. But what is most significant for our understanding right now is that the trauma is a constitutive trauma. It is the emergence of reality as opposed to an interruption to reality. The Pasuk says in Bereshis that There was chaos and there was disorder and there was darkness that hovered above the abyss and the Spirit of God hovered above the water. Now, Rashi himself points out that tohu vavohu, like we said, is confusion, is the anxiety-ridden sense that Rabbeinu Shalalem, I have no idea what's going on in front of me. You tell me to find order in this world. Every moment I try and find order, and I try and expect things, and I try and gain some complacency or stability in my religious life, in my spiritual life, in my emotional life, and suddenly something comes along and disrupts my expectations. I try and attempt to take care of one thing and another thing arrives. And each and every person understands this chaos in their hearts in their own most way, because as we said in the first year, trauma is a profoundly relative experience, and each person experiences that trauma of everyday life in their own way. But the tohu vavohu, the confounding confusion of what reality actually is when we actually gaze at it, and we're overwhelmed by the intense buzzing of all different types of things, we have to pay attention to what the Pasuk says, v'ha'aretz haisa tohu vavohu, and the land was desolate and chaotic. Zak the Sefer Habahir, Zak the Arizal, Zak the Zara Kadosh, and it says, what is haisa? Haisa implies a past event. Haisa implies, and the world was chaotic. But this is the origination of time. This is the birthplace of time, the birthplace of consciousness, the birthplace of history. So how can we be speaking about something that preceded it? How can we be speaking about something that happened before the beginning? And what the Zohar HaKadosh says is as follows, that v'ha'aretz haisa tohu v'vohu, what does haisa mean? What is this past sense of the origination of the trauma? Me kadmat dana, from beforehand. 
It happened in an ancient space. It happened in a time prior to time. It happened in a memory so anxious that it so ancient that it cannot be retrieved by modern or current memory. That the trauma has always already happened. The shattering is the birthplace of awareness. We see this with regards to individual subjectivity as well in the writings of the Beis Yaakov and the writings of the Said Yisharim, especially in his commentary on the Zohar, that the birth of the soul is in and of itself the trauma. Otto Rank, Otto Rosenfeld, originally the student of Sigmund Freud, one of those Yiddish and Neshamos who separated themselves from Freud early on, wrote an essay about the trauma of birth how being born itself is the trauma, how emerging into the world from that oceanic sense of wholeness into that fragmented reality of being a subject within a body, that in and of itself is the trauma, which means that our emergence into the world is the shattering that takes place, and our job of living is to piece those pieces back together and to come to terms with the splintered, fragmented reality of life that the trauma, the tohu, the separation, the disorderly revelation of the abysmal depths that rest underneath what we previously assumed to be sturdy is not some secondary, inessential, symptomatic interruption to life, but rather it is the beginning of life, that it is only when things fall apart that a person begins to put things back together again. It's only when we realize that in our human minds, the congruity and the calmness and the stability and the unity which we so desperately desire in this world is simply not something that our experience begins with. Our experience begins as fragmented creatures now enjoined to put things back together. We are not whole creatures who have been broken apart. We are broken creatures who are moving towards wholeness. The trauma is the origination of ourselves. The fragmentation is the birthplace of the development of unity. There's a beautiful essay from one of my favorite psychoanalysts, a child pediatrician, Donald Winnicott. And we're going to discuss this throughout our shirim. But Donald Winnicott was a pediatrician turns child psychoanalyst. And he writes in one of the most beautiful essays imaginable, something titled The Clinical Fear of Breakdown, that most of the time his clients come into his office in terror and fear, seized up by the possibility that some cataclysm, some trauma stands right behind the corner waiting to disrupt my experience. And Winnicott says that sometimes the greatest thing, the only thing that I can do for my clients is sit them down in a comfortable chair, look them in the eyes and say, don't worry so much about the trauma, it already happened. Things have already broken apart. The world was never whole. We are not starting from a position of wholeness and then breaking and then trying to come about to a secondary level of, of symptomatic wholeness. We are fragmented creatures desiring the first taste of wholeness. This shvira goes all the way up to the highest imaginable place. It is not accidental. It is a deliberate shattering that gives birth to the possibility of human beings putting themselves back together. Prior to the creation of the world, there was only water. There was clarity. There was the submission. There was self-annihilation. All there was was water. 
And then in the creation of the world, God, so to speak, separates between the upper water and the lower water. The lower water representing this worldly experience as we find ourselves confined to limited awareness of godliness, forgetting of our origin, trapped in the post-traumatic symptoms of what it means to be a separated creature of a neshama in the body in that asymmetrical experience. And the Mayim Elyonim represents that clarity of divine presence where all things are clear. And we're told in the name of Chazal that the Mayim HaTachtonim, the lower waters, our existence, our experience, is perpetually crying out, is perpetually screaming out, We want to also see the face of the king. Why should the Mayim Elyonim, the elevated waters, those non-traumatized waters, experience godliness? We also want to experience godliness. The lower waters, those tears of our experience, those sighs and those cries of the daily vicissitudes of what it means to be a fragmented creature, a torn individual, our desire, all of our speech, all of our language is ultimately born out of an undescribable desire to connect back to that source which has now become invisible in our minds. And so that tear, that wound of the trauma is the separation between the lower waters and the upper waters. The Meshiloach and the Tzadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin point out something incredibly beautiful. Then when it comes to the Halalukas, when it comes to David HaMelech's desire to scream out in praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we find a distinction that in the beginning of the capital of Tehillim, we see the Mayim that is above the Rakia and the Mayim that is below the Rakia, lower human consciousness and higher human consciousness. And both of them scream out to God. Both of them as a result of that original fragmentation and separation between the ideal and the real, between the self and wholeness, between calmness and chaos, both the upper waters and the lower waters scream out. But then as the capital continues and we find ourselves in a state of praise, all we find is that it is the upper waters that are screaming out. No longer is there a reference to the lower waters, to that desire to connect back to that original wholeness. And Zakta Tzadikim of Ishbet and Radzin, the Meshilach, the Beis Yaakov, the Sadisharim, they say that in a moment of despair, in the feeling of disconnection, so there's a separation between the upper waters and the lower waters. There's a separation between who I am as an individual in my fragmented state and the original wholeness that I desire so desperately for myself. But in a moment of crying out to God, in a moment of the recognition that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs everything, all there is is upper waters. Because at that point, the human consciousness is aware that although I find myself stuck in the lower water experience, although I find myself removed and detached from the calmness that my soul so desperately desires, there is a way of thinking that allows us to see ourselves as part of that original whole. How the shattering was deliberate, how the shattering is also part of what HaKadosh Baruch wants in the world. And in that moment, there's no longer a distinction between the lower waters of the self and the higher waters of the self, because both are unified. We live in a world of the instability of the lower waters. We live in a world where the lower waters have lost sight of their connection to the upper waters, and where there's always already separation. 
The moment we open our eyes in the morning, very often we're already overwhelmed by the prospect of the unmanageability and the overwhelmingness of the day, rather than calm and collected in the face of the possibility of the day. And our natural tendency towards worry and despair, as opposed to a natural tendency towards calmness and belief, is rooted in the fact that we wake up as the lower waters. We wake up as these creatures who are stuck floating in the chaos, floating in the instability of all things. And what we're going to see, Be'ezra Sashem, through the writings of our tzaddikim, that the way through the trauma is not ignoring the trauma, is not pretending there was no shvira takelim, is not pretending that there was no surgical separation between the upper waters and the lower waters, but it's accepting the very fact that Hashem, this is how you wanted to create the world the chaos, the disruption, the fragmentation, the disorderliness. This is the very site in which I can encounter you. The very fact that I am aware of the chaos gives birth to a questioning heart that allows me to find you. And it's the chaos itself, it's the fragmentation itself that reminds me that I am imperfect. I am an imperfect creature seeking unity rather than a perfect free creature descending into disunity. We start off with darkness and move to the light rather than seeing ourselves as creatures that started off in the light moving into darkness. And as we move through our day and we learn to be mitmodeid and to face that traumatic separation between the lower waters and the higher waters, what we calmly tell ourselves, what we calmly convey to ourselves is this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. It was always this way. I didn't break this. I didn't do this. I was born into this. This is the reality. And instead of feeling shame or brokenness over the fact that things have fallen apart, I can allow myself to own the fact that things have always been separated. That's the nature of what it means to live in the concealment of godliness. And then we can learn how to make a bracha of rokaha aretz al that yes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu spreads the firmament, spreads the ground out upon the water. But the stability that I seek in this world is not the stability that a non-traumatized individual experiences. It's not that fantastical wholeness that one who is terrified of brokenness experiences, but rather it's the vulnerable hope that things will continue to get better. Rokaha Aretz the ground is spread out upon the water meaning that there is an instability that perpetually exists underneath the stability that we find in our lives. That our ability to put the pieces back together is always in response to the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created things with the pieces broken apart. And at every moment, we have to recognize that we are moving out of chaos and ink rectification, that the trauma is never over. The shattering and the instability and the, the disorientation is what perpetually forces us to acknowledge HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're the one who's going to help me through this. The entirety of the Shvira, the entirety of the brokenness in which God creates the world is to reveal that there is a perfection inherent within brokenness, that Hashem desires us to move out of our brokenness into our attempt to uncover wholeness. And there's a brokenness and wholeness that one who thinks they're whole has no shaykhas to growth. Rokaha Aratz means that the stability that I'm going to find in this world is very often a post-traumatic stability, or not always very often, always a post-traumatic stability. 
It's a rokaha aratzalamayim. The ground stands upon the waters. It stands upon those abysmal depths. That tahoim el tahoim kaira. The possibility of the tahom, those deep depths of Akadish Baruch's presence that seek at every moment to inundate the world with divine consciousness, that seek to inundate the world with a new perfection that hasn't emerged yet. And so when we learn to look at ourselves as originally traumatized individuals, the trauma stops being an interruption to our stability, but rather it's the birthplace of the possibility of stability that the trauma has already happened. Creation was the trauma. And it's our job to work things out, to settle the score, to move things smoothly and come to trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that even though underneath the stable ground in which I walk, there are bubbling waters, to walk with the belief that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're the one who keeps the Tahomos at bay. We encounter this separation with Davin Malka Mashiach very often. That Davin HaMelech descends at the Simchas Beis Hashoeva to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he goes a little bit too far and he uncovers the depths, those abysmal depths of those waters that have been underground all the time waiting to inundate consciousness. And the waters begin to arise and David HaMelech is terrified. What's going to happen if the waters of below meet the waters of on high? What's going to happen if the rakia, if the roka aretz alhamayim is separated, if my sense of stability is now inundated with water? And David HaMelech says, Shiramalos, he says, 15 Shiramalos is to keep the water at bay. That the Neshamos of David HaMelech and all of us are David HaMelech, our brokenness, our impoverishment, our destitution, our lives are an attempt to keep the chaotic waters at bay and to create vessels that can again bring about stability. But we have to learn to accept that brokenness. The brokenness is not an arresting of some original progress, but it is the birthplace of progress. Rabbi Nachman, when he writes his stories, what we find in nearly every one of the published stories is that there's a catastrophe at the very beginning that gives birth to the fantasy and the redemptive tale. There's a child who is lost. There's a, a couple in anger. There's a moment of difficulty. There's a king who decrees a, a meaningless decree. There's impoverishment. There's loss of health, loss of wealth. Now, was Rabbi Nachman speaking from a despondent state? God forbid, Rabbi Nachman was calling it what it was. The world is a broken place because HaKadosh Baruch Hu deliberately utilizes broken vessels to reveal his glory. And our job is to emerge from that original catastrophe, from that constitutive trauma that gives birth to time and space. And our job is to be post-traumatic creatures, to work through the chaos and find comfort within the chaos. And Be'ezra Sashem, when we're capable of finding comfort within the chaos, then that original trauma and that original disruption stops being so disruptive and it becomes the site in which I encounter God. The Kutzka Rebbe famously said that there is nothing more whole than a broken heart. And one of the explanations to this pithy statement is that when a heart breaks open, when something fragments and it melts into a million pieces, I can then gaze at the fragments, I can pick up those broken pieces, and I can begin to put myself back together. If I start off from a perspective of brokenness, and I move towards the desire for my limited sense of wholeness, so at least I'm moving towards a mission without shame and without regret. Because it's not my fault that things are broken. Things are always broken. The Shvira was deliberate. These were the Malachim that reigned the worlds prior to the creation of existence. But the inverse has to also be true. If what the Kutzker Rebbe says is that there's nothing more whole than a broken heart, 
then there's also nothing more broken than a whole heart. Because one who feels that things start off perfectly will see every fragmentation, every experience of human reality as a trauma, as something terrible, as something overwhelming, as opposed to realizing that it is our job to patch up these traumas. It is our job to sew things back together. Chanoch was referred to as a toifer na'alayim, somebody who sewed together shoes. And behold, tefira v'tefira ha'yam And every sew, he was unifying unifications. Our tzaddikim tell us that all of us are sewers. All of us are attempting to sew the rifts of reality back together, to heal that original wound, to secure that wound, to allow the two sides that have become separated to reveal the inherent unity but not to forget about the trauma, God forbid, but to find unity specifically within the trauma, to say, Hashem, you split the world open and you let it melt. And now it appears that there's duality and two sides of things. We're going to sew it together and show you how even though we experience the world as two, we believe undyingly in the unity at the heart of all things. And that's going to be the attitude that we're going to cultivate as we continue in these shirim to learn how it's specifically from within the torn experience of reality, that splitness into two, that we now have the capacity to make unifications, to be miyachid yichudim, to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the chaos, and to draw the comfort itself into the chaos that we've always already experienced, Be'ezrus Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.